This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Standing by for Carmen Vitale. You can follow her at V on Twitter. She's the NFC North expert for Fox Sports. She's going to jump on with us here and uh, talk Cowboys-Lions on the final 2023 episode of the G-Bag Nation. Zach Wolchuk alongside Brian Broaddus. We got Eric Chiafalo, Lucius Alexander. Reg is up here. What's up, Reg? How you doing, buddy? And, of course, Carter Freeman coordinating your video on Twitch and on YouTube. Appreciate everybody rocking with us. We'll do the top ten coming up on the other side. But right now, let's welcome in via the DNM Leasing Hotline, Carmen Vitale. Carmen, how are you? Thanks for giving us some time today. Yeah, of course. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. I mean, we're very excited for tomorrow night's game. We're hoping our Cowboys can get off the schneid of this two-game losing streak. But what can you tell us about this Lions team? I mean, holy hell. First time they've won a division title since 1993. I know. Everything's very exciting around uh, Allen Park, Michigan right now and Detroit as a whole. I mean, this is something that the Detroit fan base has been absolutely starved for. It's not something that Dan Campbell and his staff have shied away from. They know how much the Lions mean to that city and how much it means that they're going to the play. They punched their ticket to the playoffs. They've won a division title. Even Jared Goff got emotional last last week uh, after the game because he was there for 3-13. and So it's a big deal for the players, coaches, the city. uh, And they're still motivated because they want that home playoff game uh, come the postseason. Carmen, have you been more impressed with what they've been able to do offensively or what Aaron Glenn has done defensively for them? It's got to be offensively. I mean, Ben Johnson has to be one of the most creative play callers in the league right now. And especially given the personnel that they have, they lean very heavily on David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, who are two very different backs, but together, I think make up the best running back tandem in the NFL And then from there, you've got playmakers like Amon Ross St. Brown. You have rookie Sam Laporta, who's in his first year and is about to break like every single rookie tight end record uh, and and has over 100 targets this year already. So he's someone that Jared Goff relies on. They've got an excellent offensive line when they're healthy. And if they can keep Jared Goff clean, the full breadth of this offensive playbook is available to them. And that's going to be key for the Cowboys to kind of stop them in their tracks. I think if the Lions have to play from behind, you can really kind of put them on their heels a little bit more. So that's going to be a big thing. I think Dak and Dak and the gang are going to have to get out for some points pretty quickly here. Carmen, you mentioned about the health of the offensive line. We, Decker was on the list and then not on the list. Where where are they on the as far as his availability? I, I assume he's going to play in this game, but has he been dealing with some injuries uh, this this uh, this uh, season? Yeah, I mean, he, he has been dealing with some injuries, but at this point in the season, week 17, nobody's healthy, right? Sure, right. So these, yeah. these, are, these are the toughest guys on the team. I mean, you see, you saw Frank Ragnow, who had a knee injury, come to find out had meniscus surgery, missed one game, wow. and that was it. And then he, he is the engine that really makes this offensive go, offense, offense go in general. 
if I could, I know it's a team sport, but honestly, I think Frank Ragnow is the most important piece to the Detroit Lions because when he's out, uh, I think this is a friend of mine, Nate Tice, who had this stat. The Lions are second in the offensive EPA per play when Frank Ragnow is in. When he's out, they're 27th. So the offensive line means so, so much, Frank Ragnow in particular, and he's been playing through everything, as has everyone on that offensive line, if they can. So I expect Taylor Decker to play through it, and I don't expect him to be limited that much, although I could see them trying to move Micah Parsons, the the Cowboys to move Micah Parsons over to that side, try to exploit uh, perhaps that injury a little bit more. But, I mean, if there's, if there's a weakness, I guess it's there. But I don't really foresee Taylor Decker uh, being too much, too, too, too much less of what he normally is. When it comes to stopping this Lions offense, you mentioned pressuring Goff. Is that – I mean, you, you want to bottle up their rushing attack for sure, but pressuring Goff seems to be the number one thing you can do to have success against these guys? Absolutely. I mean, when Goff is two different quarterbacks, when he's pressured and when he's not, and more, more than when he's pressured, when he's hit. He can handle some pressure, uh, though it hasn't really gotten to him a lot this year. But when it has, I mean, you look at what the Ravens were able to do against these guys earlier in the season, and that's exactly what it was. It was getting in Goff's face, hitting him, and he just he panics. And that's not something that's been exclusive to him as a Detroit Lion. That's how he was in Los Angeles as well. So that is absolutely the key. But the issue, again, is just getting to him behind that offensive line. What would you say the weak link is maybe defensively? I mean, you mentioned Dak and the Cowboys needing to put up a lot of points. We're expecting this one to be kind of a barn burner, but Nick Mullins seemed like they had some success Minnesota through the air last week. Who can you attack in the secondary? Yeah, the secondary doesn't have a lot of depth right now. They're not getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson back quite yet. I expect him to be back for the postseason, and, and as do they. But really, the outside is kind of the vulnerable part of mm. this. Cam Sutton was on the injury report as well. Over the middle, you have Brian Branch, you have Kirby Joseph, who's gone on some spurts of, of interceptions, sometimes multiple in a game. Brian Branch, for a rookie, is just for anybody. Yeah, really, that's what I was going to ask you about. I wanted to ask you about Branch because you know we all studied him coming out of the draft. Is you know Alabama's a state. They stole that kid in the second round. Sure did. They absolutely oh stole that kid. So, but you know him as a nickel. Never any thought about moving him outside at all, Carm, with, with, with him, or they just they always are going to play him inside that way? Yeah, they're pretty much always going to play him inside, though they are going to move him around between that, in that nickel safety role. But he's so versatile. He's such a Swiss Army knife. Um, they have not shown, though, the fact that they're willing to kind of put him on the outside. That's sure. not exactly where he's best either because he's good when he can anticipate and, and kind of go have the have the middle of the field to kind of work with and make plays on, um, especially when they kind of sit back and play zone a lot. So that is Brian Branch's friend. That they're not going to really take him away from that. And because of it, though, they have some cornerback depth issues, and they're just not really well equipped uh, in the secondary in general right now. And that's definitely been their weakness because it's stressed their defensive front in that sense. And then Aiden, people can key in on Aiden Hutchinson because of it. It's kind of a domino effect, so that's that's kind of the way to beat these guys defensively. So the Cowboys played Miami last week, and, and we had fun talking about Mike McDaniel, and we play his audio cuts all the time, but next up would probably be Man Campbell, Dan Campbell. How unique <laughs> is he to be around? He is fantastic. I mean, he, you can just tell how genuine his enthusiasm is and just how much these guys love to play for him and how much these guys love to coach for him. I mean, he has, he's made up a staff of a lot of former players 
And it, because of that, it makes them re- relate to their players a lot better. That's something that Dan Campbell has taken from the Bill Parcells uh, philosophy. It's something that Parcells really instilled in Dan Campbell is that relate to your players. That's how you're going to get the most out of them. And because of that, these guys are ready to go to war for Dan Campbell no matter what. And it, the culture in that locker room, I said, I've said this a lot, from even last year when you know they went one and six, I was in that locker room during that time, and you would have never known. And I don't say that as a slight to say they weren't taking it seriously or anything like that. Clearly, they turned it around. But it was just the culture in that locker room because of Dan Campbell has a singular belief in themselves that nothing was going to shake it, not even that losing streak to start the season last year. Carm, was uh, any chance that he got I, – I know he wanted to get a lion out front on a chain by the practice field. Did we ever get that uh, – <laughs> Did he? I mean, now that you're winning all these. Now that they're winning all these games up there, I figured that the the, the Ford family would find a way to get that lion on the actual practice field for him. I know that Dan Campbell petitioned Sheila to do it, so I, I to my knowledge, that has not happened. And I'm sure that that would be a very viral moment if it ever does. Maybe if they do start making a playoff run, or if they reach the Super Bowl, I don't know how you could argue against that. You got to get a lion in there. So I know you do excellent work with Fox Sports. You cover the entire NFC North. I think one of the fascinating conversations is what the hell are the Bears going to do at quarterback? It seems like Justin Fields is getting a ton of support. Have you heard anything? Do you think Fields is going to be the guy, or do they look at a quarterback in the draft? I have to think that you take advantage of the draft stock that you're going to have or the draft pick that you're going to have because this is a sneakily good roster. Mm. That's what I've heard from coaches that have played them. Um, You know, Lions week even, and the Bears beat the Lions. I had Lions coaches telling me like, hey, this team isn't bad. I don't know what everybody's like so down on them for. They've got a really good roster, and they do have this question mark with Justin Fields. I don't think that – I think that he's kind of a square peg trying to fit into a round – Luke gets the offensive hole Jeez. and it's not quite working. So I, if they get rid of offensive coordinator, Luke gets I also don't think it makes sense to keep fields and put him in his third system in Chicago since he's been in the league. And especially with his kind of contract clock winding down here, you have to make the decision on fifth year option this off season. And then you're looking at paying him 25 million. And then between 40 and 50, if you really think he's the guy within the next couple of years, I just don't see that happening if you have to start over again with him and evaluate to see if he really is that guy that you want him to be. I think you kind of take the clean slate, you take advantage of the of the draft position you're going to have, and start that quarterback clock over, especially if you bring in a new offensive coordinator. Carmen, do you think the Packers have a chance to get into that seventh seed, or are they done? God help me, I do. Yeah. Um, I, the, the defense, listen, it's, there's, there's some fracturing, I think, in that team right now where the defense is kind of on a different page than the offense. The offense is trying everything they can to make this playoff push. And the amount of production they're getting out of first and second year players with a first year starter under center, I mean, I think they're 10th uh, in offensive DVOA and fourth in passing DVOA, which, again, this is Jordan Love's first year. He's on pace to do better than Aaron Rodgers did his first year. He already has a better record uh, if you're into the whole quarterback, your wins or quarterback stat thing um, than Aaron Rodgers did in his first season. I mean, they got their evaluation on Jordan Love. They they know he's the guy going forward. It's just a matter if the defense can keep up and make some crucial stops and make it a little bit easier on Jordan Love. 
that's that's kind of the fracture right now is that the defense just hasn't been performing. So it's all going to come down to them, as it has pretty much every season, every every game this season. And it hasn't always worked out for the Packers. So we'll see. Back to the Lions, their play caller, Ben Johnson, you mentioned he's been a super beast. He's going to be at the top of every team's list for the most part when it comes to the next uh, head coaching search. But I, I see reports there where he's he's trying to command like $15 million a year. Are we are we buying <laughs> no, this? Not at all. His agent came out and said this is – he kind of made a mockery of the tweet and was like, this is vehemently false. Uh, there is no price tag. There is no ask. Uh, there, this is not something that we're even – thinking about right now because of the fact that the lions are in the thick of things. And this is a guy who came back and, and turned down other head coaching interviews last year to return to the lions because he believed in what they were doing. I'm not saying he's going to do that again, because I definitely think that someone's going to back the brinks up brinks truck up for him at some point this off season, but there's no $15 million ask. That's not who Ben Johnson is either. <laughs> he would never command that. Um, but if someone wants to give it to him, I don't think he's going to say no either. Let's be clear. C.D. Lamb is on the verge of uh, making Cowboys history as a receiver, but do people nationally give Amon Ross St. Brown enough love? I don't think so at all. This is a guy that is a true number one receiver and has been seen as a slot receiver his entire career. And while he operates out of the slot a lot, he will they will line him up all over the formation. They'll line him up in the backfield, and he's yeah. running – those end arounds into the end zone from the backfield. So he's so versatile. He's so good. He's so reliable. And he's routinely in the top 10 for pass for major passing or receiving stats uh, year after year. And I don't really understand why people aren't seeing how big of a deal he is and how much he makes this offense go. Do you have a pick for this game tomorrow night? Are you, uh, you thinking the lions get it done? Um, I've unfortunately had to make a pick a couple of times already this week, but I do think that all of that said, and as good as the Lions are playing right now, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are playing better at AT&T, and they are all more motivated coming off the losing streak to get right, get the win, get the momentum to go into the postseason. I just see Dak kind of lighten it up in front of the home crowd, and as he has for what? 15 straight games, something yes. like that. Going for 16 yeah. so, in a row. That, that makes Cowboy fans very, very happy. Uh, probably the most important question of the interview so far here, though, Carmen. Have you ever toasted a Pop-Tart before? I have toasted a Pop-Tart before, and I, I'm i one of those people that there are certain flavors that I like toasted. There are certain flavors I like untoasted. So I, it just depends. Um, I, I don't know. I think strawberry, actually, is probably one of the ones that's better when it's toasted. I agree. Which, yeah. But then, you know, the, the brown sugar cinnamon ones, please. That is so much better on toasted. Okay, so you got to leave those ones on toasted. So this is so anything, yeah. anything frosted then, Carm, you're not going to toast. It, it sounds like, right? You just you eat this, the plain yeah, strawberry, the strawberry one? Yeah, the strawberry one is, no, the strawberry one is the frosted strawberry. Okay, well, see, that's what I'm saying. You're talking to a 60-year-old man here who had the Pop-Tart when it was just, just the, like the it was just breading, a brick. the no, breading and the. that with sugar, so much sugar when I was younger, but yeah, I was younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, speaking of food, you're covering the NFC North. We got we got food feuds going on. Detroit pizza, Uh-oh. Chicago deep dish style. Which one's better? So, can I say neither? Because Ooh, the there we go. Chicago I like this. Style, I like this. The actual Chicago style pizza is the tavern style thin crust that's cut into squares, and that is what everybody in Chicago actually eats. I probably only have deep dish like twice a month or twice a year rather. Yeah. Um, I only <laughs> I only have the thin crust tavern style with the thin crust, like the really thin crust, crispy crust, 
and the really good sauce. It's all about like the sauce and the cheese and the toppings. So that's my pick, and not neither Detroit nor Deep Dish. Carmen, you're a beast. Uh, This has been awesome. we got to get you on more often. The uh, response has been outstanding. Enjoy, of course, all the football over the weekend, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, At Carmi V on Twitter, if you want to give her a follow on Instagram as well. Carmen Vitale covers the NFC North for Fox Sports. Tremendous. Does a hell of a job. Tremendous uh, reporter right there. Does a fantastic job letting us know about the Detroit Lions as we go behind enemy lines. Let's do the top ten. Jimmy Johnson is getting into the ring of honor tomorrow. We've got the top 10 Jimmy Johnson games as Cowboys head coach and Micah talking about tomorrow's matchup, the Lion on the Lions. That's next. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hey, man, let's hit you with that Wooly Bully Top 10 list of the day, Jimmy Johnson style. That sounds fantastic. Segment's brought to you by the Frankels. Life is unpredictable. Accidents happen. Frankel and Frankel are the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in DFW. If you or a loved one has been in an accident, contact Frankel and Frankel for a free consultation at truckwreck.com or call 214-333-3333. Also brought to you by Soda State of the Art Weight Loss. Here is the bully. Thank you very much. Of course, we do have the Cotton Bowl that is going to be taking place. We'll get you some college football news at 6 o'clock. If you're going out to the Cotton Bowl, let us know. Is your tailgate happening? Where are you tailgating? What you drinking on? We got what you drinking, what you thinking. An hour from now, 877-881-1053. It's awesome just having bowl game football everywhere you look. And then tomorrow night, we'll be out there at AT&T Stadium. It's Jimmy Johnson will indeed be inducted into the Ring of Honor. If you're old enough to remember some of Jimmy's games that he coached with the Cowboys. I've got the top 10 Jimmy Johnson games, courtesy of DallasCowboys.com and their Rankum series. We'll go through those here in just a moment. But uh, I do, and, and I, I talked about this when it went viral with Gronk taking shots at Micah, Micah firing back, then Debo got into it. But the media athlete that's currently playing, having their own podcast and having platforms, this is the new norm. We need to get used to it, but it allows us this type of resource to where we can actually get what is Micah Parsons thinking as he's talking for himself. He's not with reporters trying to say the right thing. This is Micah just spitting off here. What does he think about the upcoming matchup against the Detroit Lions? Are you going to play off ball this week? Uh, That's not my job to come in here and tell y'all game plans. Uh, This is my job to try to give y'all news and thoughts around the league and, and just keep it real simple. Um, and that's it. You know, I'm not trying to get out here and, you know, give away what I'm going to be doing this week and things like that. Uh, Lions question, should Dan Campbell be win coach of the year? For sure. The Lions haven't won a division in uh, over 30 years. Crazy stat. I mean, the Lions are looking good. They're locked in as a top seed in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, the Lions is just truly the, the way he turned that organization around, the way he got them players to buy in um, is it, truly amazing. I'm super excited for the game. Um, it's going to be so fun uh, playing against Dan again. We played him last year at home. Uh, really close game. Really fun. Um, and But Dan, I mean, he's just been a great coach. I mean, it's truly amazing what he's doing over there. Um, and so excited to play them. 
Dade Campbell gave him a lot of praise as well. We played that cut yesterday, Brian, yeah. about like what they need to do to try and limit Micah's impact on the game. I don't know that there's any way to limit a player of his caliber, but the sliding of protection, the extra personnel, they're going to have to account for him. But uh, Mike is, they're going to need Micah to wreck this game. Like, How good is that Lions offensive line? We just talked with Carmen about that. Yeah. Could go a long way in deciding who wins or loses. Yeah, especially the left side of their offensive line with Jonah Jackson and then uh, and then uh, Taylor Decker over there. They're, they, they've had some problems. Uh, the, the quarterback, when he deals with pressure, she's absolutely right. He's a different type of player. Seven interceptions when he's had to deal with pressure. So, you know, that's going to be on the Cowboys. Can you find a way to choke the running game? I, I don't know if you can completely choke the uh, the Lions running game. Now, the way to choke it would be if the Cowboys come out and like you're talking about, Chief, and put, you know, 35, 40 points on the board. Right. Nobody has run the ball against the Cowboys when they're putting 35, 40 points up on the board. That their, their offense is their best defense. And, I mean, Carmen just alluded to that as well. You get ahead, you, you, you make the Lions play from behind. Yeah. They're not a team that's been great at that either this year. And that's really the formula for success, especially at home for the Cowboys. They've built the lead. Then they're getting after you with the pass rush. They're forcing turnovers. Ron Bland's getting pick sixes. And here you go. We're molly whopping teams by 20 at home. Yeah, this, this defense is built to play with a lead. And so the onus is on your offense to, to sort of give you that lead to start this game. And then Detroit's rushing attack and their play action becomes a little bit less productive. And that's something that when they're playing – toe-to-toe or with a lead, that, that that play-action passing game for them is just absolutely freaking dynamite. And you saw how Miami was able to crush the Cowboys when it came to play-action last week. I think the Cowboys on the season have been bottom third, 25th, 26th in the league versus play-action. And when you give them the opportunity, them being the Lions, to have a, a just a, a balanced opportunity where the threat of the run is going to be huge, and especially for the Cowboys now, like they, they, these these linebackers know, hey, the Lions run the ball. We've been getting crushed. We're worried about the run. And then that play action, here's a 20-yard dig from Amon Ross St. Brown. That's an all-day situation that, that yeah. scares the bejeebies out of me. It's really the, the best way to face the Cowboys when you're an opposing offense. You're using their strength against them, which is they are so they want to get upfield so fast yeah. and you catch them over pursuing, being over aggressive. Now we're going to hit a big play on you, whether it's with a chunk run or with the play action. There's game. there's a couple of things you need to worry about in this football game and too, and you're likely uh going to see Deuce Vaughn at some point in time in this game. The thing that the Lions like to do is they like to bring secondary pressure and they like to bring linebacker pressure. You know uh, when you when you watch their linebackers rush, uh, Angeloni, he is one of the he's I believe he's got twenty six pressures, which is the most in the uh, uh, tied for the most of the off ball linebackers in the league. Are the are the Lions going to put pressure when they see Deuce Vaughn in the game? Are they going to say that's an automatic blitz for us? You know they've got to find a way. Hunter Lipke and and Pollard. And then and they're going to have to they're going to have to figure out something to way to if when the Cowboys throw the ball is not be exposed by this Detroit pass rush, especially from its linebackers or from its safety group. We saw last week what happened when they were not communicating and not picking up blitzes. It ended up being negative plays, you know, at 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 terrible times. So Aaron Glenn has to be saying, okay, if I I'm going to challenge. This Dallas running back group 
to blitz pickup in this game. I mean, I wonder, is it too simplistic to to counter and just say, I'm going to, Deuce Vaughn, you're not pass protecting. You will get out into the flat. You will run a route. And now that guy, you know, it's like, a hot you're route, gonna be, yeah, like you're, you're well, going to be open here. I'm not going to throw you into the line of linebacker screen, blitz But fire. that's what I'm saying, though. How many plays... How many plays do you have for him like that? He is going to be active in this game tomorrow. Are you, are, is he going to get two, three plays? They might be huge plays. But you're also dressing a guy that doesn't play a lot of special teams, you know, because of the lack of the height. So and he also yeah. just doesn't seem comfortable fielding the football. Yeah, and, that. you know, that's that's the thing. I mean, he, he might be a huge weapon for you tomorrow night. He could be. But they, he's a playmaker when he gets the ball in his But hands. you also have to realize, though, the strength of this line defense is their ability to rush the passer with their linebackers and then with their safeties. Yeah, a- absolutely. All right, uh, let's slide into the top 10. I know the 469 said I was hoping you were going to do this list. That's our guy Zach in Frisco. Appreciate you. And 972, I agree. I've been preaching this for two weeks. Don't defer. Take the opening coin toss if you win it and go on offense. It should have worked last week with a 15-play touchdown drive. Unfortunately, you had the fumble. But to me, it doesn't change anything. You go get the lead, and you make a statement there, and uh, we'll see if the Cowboys win the toss tomorrow. Be Top, better the middle eight, too, by Yeah, the way. middle eight, 100%. That's yeah. the last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second half. Anytime the Cowboys have lost the middle eight, they have lost this season. They have yes. not won a football game. Jimmy Johnson's top ten games, courtesy of DallasCowboys.com. Cowboys at Redskins comes in at number 10. And, yes, they were that R-word in 1989 at RFK Memorial Stadium. Cowboys got the win 13-3. Considering the Cowboys hadn't won a game and Washington would go on to eventually finish 10-6, and six, most just assumed what the outcome of this road matchup would be. But led by Paul Palmer's 110-yard, one-touchdown effort, Dallas churned out 148 rushing yards. Paul Palmer. Paul Palmer. Temple. And they held the Washington to 50 yards on the ground themselves. They had a 13-3 win. It marked the first victory in Jimmy Johnson's coaching era with the Dallas Cowboys. A beautiful start. (laughs) Oh, what a nightmare season that was. It was a nightmare (laughs) season, but you finished by beating one of your biggest rivals. Sure. And it was just up from there, right? Yeah. You You wondered. You really wondered if, like, this guy was a great college coach. You wondered if, like, what have we what have we done here? Well, the Bryce Young and people are like, oh, should you move on? I mean, people were talking Troy Aikman. Oh no, is question. he your guy? Well, they went they went they and got won Steve Walsh. They went and got Steve Walsh in the supplemental draft. I mean, you look back at it, you're like, what idiots? Who the hell would even think that? But that's yeah. how it was in the moment. I mean, it's crazy to go back and and rethink some of this stuff. 1990, November 22nd, Thanksgiving Day. It's another Washington game. Cowboys win 27-17 at Texas Stadium. Washington would play a part in a lot of Jimmy's signature wins, <laughs> including this showdown on Thanksgiving. Washington went on to record to, to get a 10-6 record and even won a playoff game this season, but they came up short in this one. Cowboys trailed 17-10 in the third quarter. Emmett Smith capped a 132-yard rushing day with a pair of touchdowns to lead the Cowboys to a come from behind victory, and I know those are your favorite victories that come from behind ones. Well, here. they're just their nail biters, dude. I mean, you just never know, am I going to pull this thing out or not? Yeah. And uh, when you do, it's it's sweet, sweet nectar. It's beautiful, gods. man. <laughs> Nothing like getting that victory. Number eight, let's keep the Washington rolling, shall we? November 24th, 1991. This one's at RFK, 24-21. Cowboys win. Many players will tell you that the 90s dynasty began with this very day. Cowboys facing Washington, and that team would eventually go on to win the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, Jimmy pulls out all the stops, including a Hail Mary touchdown to Alvin Harper at the end of the first half. 
and a successful onside kick. Move over, Sean Payton. Jimmy did it first. The victory started a five-game winning streak to end the season that put the Cowboys in the playoffs for the first time in six seasons. Jeez. That was a bad six years. That was huh? a bad six years, yeah. But it started to get better. Yep. Number seven. Don't say Green Bay. Cowboys at Bears. Oh, good. 1991 NFC wild card at Soldier Field. Cowboys win it 17-13. to 13. Sure. Steve Pelour at quarterback? <sighs> he... Not Steve Pelour. I meant uh, Steve Berline. Steve Berline, yes. Sir, oh, yeah. Steve sure, Berline. the Cowboys made the playoffs as a wild card team. But they had to go to Chicago to face the big bad Bears on a freezing day. Yeah. No matter the Cowboys' defense dominating its hosts, they recorded three sacks, they had three takeaways, two goal line stands. Mm. But meanwhile, backup quarterback Steve Berline. There we go. Playing mistake-free football. He only passed for 180 yards, but that was enough. Cowboys made another step toward greatness in the dynasty of the 90s as they got the win 17-13. to How about we go to 1992 for number six here, best Jimmy Johnson games? The year of Zach Wolchuk, right? 1992. I, I was born. I had been born already. Please. This is September 7th. I'm oh. a little baby. No no Green Bay. And this is at Texas Stadium, so my grandparents were at the game. Brian, you probably were too. Yeah. 23 to 10. Cowboys beat Washington. No, no Green Bay what, yet. What, you were at 92? 92. I was at Green Bay. Okay, so you weren't at this I, one. I was not at this Maybe game. mom and dad were there? Uh, probably, yeah. Season t- they probably, probably gave up the season Yeah, no, they gave up the season tickets after I went to work in Green Bay. Okay, yeah. so, so, so they, no, no they Broadus there. was there. No Broadus was there. First time since 1972. Hey, it's all right. My grandparents were holding it down for us. Although the Cowboys made the playoffs the year before, 92, this was the season opener. This was going to be a true test. Washington was always a formidable opponent. But now the NFC's rival was coming off a defending Super Bowl championship victory. However, Charles Haley had joined the Cowboys. Mm. This was a different Cowboy defense, one that did not allow the Redskins to score a single offensive touchdown. And with this victory, Johnson's Cowboys had served notice. We're a new bully on the block, baby, in the NFC East. We go to number five, Cowboys at 49ers, 1993 NFC Championship. I'm a little surprised this wasn't higher, but maybe you have the Super Bowls in there. 30 to 20. Cowboys go on the road. Some said they were a year early. <laughs> they called it a passing of the torch. San Francisco, team of the 80s, team of the decade. They came into this showdown as the home favorite. And when Jerry Rice scored with just under five minutes left, things looked, oh my gosh, they're about to continue their run. But Troy Aikman completed a pass to Alvin Harper for 70 yards. And then three snaps later, found Kelvin Martin for the game winning touchdown catapulting the Cowboys into the Super Bowl and when addressing his team in the locker room afterwards, Jimmy uttered the famous words, how about them Cowboys? Then you got number four, best Jimmy Johnson games. This is the Super Bowl in 1993. Still no Rose Bowl. Cowboys, Bills, January 31st, 52-17. to They beat the brakes off the Bills. Sure, Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, but Johnson wasn't taking the foot off the gas. Players endured a padded practice with full content. <laughs> Contact on the Friday. This would never happen today. It all paid off. We have no padded practices left. 48 hours before kickoff. And they're going Oklahoma no, no, no. drill. NFL Saints, sorry, we're not doing that. Uh, we got a player safety, okay? Troy Aikman <laughs> leads the Cowboys. 273 passing yards, four touchdowns. He gets the MVP, Jimmy Johnson. First coach in history to win a national championship and a Super Bowl title. We go to number three, still no Packers. This is Giants Stadium, 1994. Oh, my goodness. Is this the the Emmett game? It's the great one, Emmett Smith, the separated shoulder game. 
Some people want to say this is overrated. You can go bleep yourself. Yeah. 16 to 13 in overtime. Cowboys, home field advantage on the line. Giants Stadium. And it is the Emmett Smith separated shoulder game. Late in the first half, somehow he manages to play the entire second half despite playing through the pain. Johnson wanted to use Emmett as a decoy. Smith said, no, 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 coach, feed me the ball. Jimmy did. Emmett leads the Cowboys to victory in overtime. Number two, Texas Stadium NFC Championship game, 94 of January 23rd, Cowboys against the Niners. They had traveled to San Francisco previous year. And then, this time around, you had the Niners coming to Irving. Mm -hmm. Three days before their rematch, Jimmy Johnson calling into a local radio show. We will win the ball game. And you can put it in three-inch headlines. And that team went out and cashed the check that the coach that coach went and put out there, man. Yep. I mean, absolutely incredible. But number one, best Jimmy Johnson game of all time, Cowboys and Bills. Oh. Cowboys are back-to-back, baby, 30-13 to at the Georgia Dome. People often forget Cowboys were actually trailing after two quarters in the championship showdown, 13-6. to But while some players were expecting a halftime blow up from their head coach, Jimmy remained calm. He got together with the coaches, adjusted the game plan. Team came out after the break, handed the ball off to Emmett Smith, seven straight times, 15-yard touchdown. You even the score, and they never looked back. And Daryl Johnson telling The Athletic, I thought it was, if not the best coaching moment while we were there, it was definitely near the top. Cowboys thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl and win it every damn year. Unfortunately, that was the end of the run. But they're your top 10 Jimmy Johnson games. And holy crap, uh, that was pretty amazing to just relive all of that. And some, I mean, he he was a legend. But as a legendary coach, great coaching staff as well. But the players on those teams, mm. oh. I, I just know from competing against them, you just you just you didn't have answers for the any talent of them. acquisition. It's incredible. The, a it tremendous really, really coach, knowing yeah. how to motivate his guys. I mean, he was a psychologist. Yeah. You know. Let the mind control the body, not the body control the mind. I mean, there's so many things you can take from Jimmy Johnson. Tomorrow's going to be an amazing day at AT&T Stadium as he finally gets inducted into the Ring of Honor. Let's do some football finest next here on The Fan. All right, it's time for football's finest with Eric Chiafalo, and then we'll slide into, of course, what you're drinking, what you're thinking at 520, LA Live at 540. Nick Harris, DallasCowboys.com at the top of the hour. Here's the Chief. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. We will make the MVP case for a local legend here momentarily, but going into this matchup versus the Lions, Dan Campbell, head coach, uh, just curious, what is your mindset going into this one? doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. And so that's what you're going up against. You know, a guy who doesn't care if you have one ass cheek. He doesn't Mm -hmm. care if seven of your toes have left your feet. Mm -hmm. He is still there to show up and take you down in your own house. Like, he's ready to get disrespectful on it. You might have some disabilities. I'll come into your house and I will beat your ass on national television on Jimmy Johnson night. That's the level of disrespect he's he's coming into this one with. I just think we all need to be prepared for this one physically, but also just sort of emotionally. That can take a toll on you. It can. And, I mean, listening to him say that, I I started to get a little bit emotional. But I I just hope the Cowboys come in with that same type of intensity. Because you know he is. I mean, you know this is big. The one-ass cheek, three toes intensity. You need to bring, like, all ten damn toes and both ass cheeks if you want to be able to be that type of intensity. Yeah, this is important. It's a double-ass cheek game. This is two-ass cheeks. This is an important game. This is a lunch pail game. For Dan. It's important for Aaron Glenn, too. You know Texas A and M and all that. I mean these former Cowboys. Yeah, you got yeah you got guys on this on this, and it's important too for Detroit for seeding. You know they, they've still got a shot in this thing. 
You know, I mean, it's a small one, but they, you know, if they get the second seed in this thing, I mean, they've, they've, man, that, that would be That's big why, for them. I think you're right. I mean, I, I know some people have said, hey, do you expect the Lions let down? They just clinched no. a division title. I don't. No, absolutely I, not. For, for all of those reasons, they, they're excited because they finally yeah. get to host their first playoff game at Ford Field. How much more excited would they be if somehow the NFC is running through Ford Field? They get that well, top seed, and they're they're well, not out of the realm of possibility of doing that. No, they're not. What you know, if they do get the if they get the second seed, that could be the difference between playing the Rams or playing the Seahawks. Absolutely, that that in itself right there would be uh, enough for me to try and get the second seed. And it's hard to beat a team twice, and Seattle went to Detroit and won already. I don't know that they'd be able to do it again. Yeah, I feel like if you have one ass cheek, you just have one leg. Can you? I don't think you could have two legs and one ass cheek. Uh, I feel like it's sort of a combo. If you have a leg, you have an ass cheek. Does anybody else be, dispute that? No, I think it'd be important to have the two ass cheeks. I think yeah. you're right about that because we're talking about with Hankins. They're saying, "Hey, he needs two legs to play." You know, they're like worried. They're, they're trying to get yeah, they, they, the assumption there is that he's got two ass cheeks. He's got two ass cheeks, big ass cheeks. I yeah. seen a viral video of a girl uh, shaking her butt cheeks. She had no legs. She was doing a handstand. It was amazing. Yeah, it went viral. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, then I guess it's doable. People in the comments talking about wood. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tush-push right there. The answer's yes, just for the record. (laughs) Tush-push. Nothing's going to stop me. Okay. Both counts. Is anything going to stop our guy? Not really our guy, but he is a local dude, so to an extent he's our guy, right? He's a Scotty. He's Matt Stafford. Yeah, I mean, I think we could claim him. Can anything stop him from being the MVP right now? And I think yeah, the answer is absolutely. There's plenty that could stop them, uh, like Lamar Jackson <laughs> Lamar going on Jackson, a, a ridiculous run here. But Joe there, Flacco. There, there, there is in a in a season where no one is very sure who that guy is. It's been extremely week to week. The second half of the season on who's the MVP. One week it's this guy, the next week it's that guy, the next mm-hmm. week it's this guy. Could it be a non-quarterback for the first time in like a decade? Like sure. We'll see. There's no one running away with it. Why couldn't it be Matthew Stafford? I believe they close out the season after the Giants this week. They get the Niners. So I think if you if they can if they win this week, which I need them to for yeah. Survivor, and then you beat the Niners, now all of a sudden you're in a serious conversation here. And and Mike Sando of the Athletic gave some pretty good reasons why you could see Matthew Stafford being that dude. I mean, the Rams right now offensively are super scary. Their defense, they're winning in spite of them. They're they're 20th in the league. Their their defense and their special teams combined are 29th. So Lamar Jackson getting a ton of help from his defense. Uh, Brock Purdy, a ton of help from everywhere. Tua, a ton of help from his defense as well, let alone maybe having another MVP candidate that he gets to throw to in Tyreek Hill. His skill guy helps there. Yeah, yeah for he sure. He hasn't been able to win on the road. Like, like, like Matthew Stafford is really the engine for these Rams. He's not getting much help anywhere else in terms of his defense and his special teams. It's not three phases in, in Los Angeles with the Rams. It's one phase. It's a Stafford phase. They're eight and six when he starts. He's missed the one game, and we'll get to that game. That was the Green Bay game. Uh, and they absolutely sucked in that game. Uh, but the Rams took the Ravens to overtime in Baltimore. Stafford throws for 294 yards, three touchdowns. Um, the, the the Rams gain a ton of, you know, just had a ton of explosive plays in that game as well in the passing game. What would the Rams look like without Stafford? The one game where they missed him this year, we saw what they look like, and it was a 20-3 to loss to the Packers, uh, 10 first downs, 187 total yards, and three points. And this is a Packers defense that has been laughed at all year for sucking. Yeah. Guys like Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Bryce Young, and Tommy DeVito have had great days versus Green Bay, but uh, Brett 
Ripien, uh, who stepped in for Stafford that day, was just absolutely terrible. Uh, but you also have not only Baltimore, but Cleveland that Stafford and the Rams, I mean, that's a heck of a defense. And, and Stafford combined versus the, 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 the Ravens defense and the Browns defense, almost 600 yards, six touchdowns, no picks, uh, 106.4 passer rating, tons of expected points added. He beat Cleveland 36 to 19. Um, and so I, I think there's like, hey, you went toe to toe with two of the best defenses in the league. And you were basically flawless. The one time we've seen your team without you, they went up against a bad defense and absolutely sucked. Yeah. Uh, so with the way the, the the Rams are playing right now, if Stafford puts up some nice numbers versus the Giants, gets the victory, and then figures out a way to do that in the final week of the season versus the Niners, I think you could be talking about a potential Matthew Stafford late-run MVP case. I love this, uh, but I will say the engine that is to go for the Rams is Kyron Williams. Kyron. Yeah. Kyron's really good. Now, like the, the, the quarterback's going to get the love. Yeah. So that's why I'm on board with Matthew Stafford and the MVP talk because that dude is still making plays. Like at 35, that play he made rolling outside of the pocket, mm-hmm. squares his shoulders, flicks this ball in midair, goes it down into Marcus Robinson for 20 yards. Matthew Stafford's playing out of his mind. It feels like he's doing a no-look pass every week it, now. I mean, he's sensational, so I'm not pushing back too much, but it is insane like the difference that Kyron Williams has made for them. They average right, 27 yeah. points a game with him in the lineup. Without, they average 14. I mean, holy crap. Wowzers. And, and, and a lot of this this run has been with him playing. So Kyron Williams is probably the guy that's not getting enough credit. He's probably the MVP. Yeah, you know what? Let's just get The more you look at it, if you squint hard enough, you realize Christian it. McCaffrey who? Kyron Williams, it's Kyron baby. Kyron Williams, yep. But this I, might be the year. Kyron though, or they, Stafford. This might give be the tired. year they give it to somebody other than a quarterback. Maybe co-MVPs, Kyron Williams and Matthew Stafford. I like that. And then Sean McSex, coach of the year. Let's just do it, man. The trifecta. But the Cowboys get the Super Bowl, so. And Mikey gets depoy. And and Dak gets Super Bowl MVP. Perfect. All right. We figured it What's out. What's done is done here. Who needs voters? We got this. All right. Let's talk to Nick Harris, DallasCowboys.com. He's also got this. That's next on the fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.